welcome to episode 121 of Friends of Film, a podcast for release news and releases in the movie world. On this episode, we'll cover Venom's new trailer, Star Trek IV's director, John Wick 3 casting, and more after review Avengers Infinity War. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood. Once again, joined by a man who dug the original Venom trailer, Josh Straley. I didn't need any symbiote scenes to get me excited for that. I was ready day one. I mean, it's a Venom rated R film. Uh, any... We'll talk about that when we get to the trailer. All right, all right. And I mean, but it has Tom Hardy. We'll get into it more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's for sure. A very uniquely accented Tom Hardy. Is yeah. That. Uh, but hey, everyone, don't forget, you can get all of our latest updates on Facebook and Twitter at Friends in Film. And be sure to check out the rest of our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you can, while on iTunes, leave us a review. It really helps. Yeah, it does. And be sure to head over to our website, friendsandfilm.wordpress.com. Uh, I just finished my Infinity rewatch, uh, you know, 18 movies, 18, mm-hmm. 19 movies, 19 days. Really long. Had a lot of fun doing it. But you'll also see my written review for Avengers Infinity War up there, and we will definitely be getting the spoilers yes. on this movie. Once we do, there will be a timestamp in the description so you guys can skip those spoilers if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, I really hope you have because there's already spoilers online. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to avoid them. It's best to enjoy them if you don't know the surprises. So if you haven't seen it, definitely avoid spoilers on this episode. Go see it. Come back and check it out. Excuse me, a little sick here, but it's not going to stop me from enjoying Avengers Infinity War as I very much did. Uh, if you guys read the review on the site, you guys know that I very much enjoyed this movie. I give it five ticket stubs out of five Ooh. because I think this just kind of proves that there's nothing Marvel can't do, especially when it comes to the Russo brothers. They they brought Thanos to the big screen in the way he needed to. He was big he was powerful he was menacing he brought that feeling that anytime he's on screen somebody could and probably would die yeah <coughs> and i think that just kind of carries with him through most of the movie the character interactions i thought were top notch uh all the pairings i thought were really fun you get a lot of cool action out of that but i mean you just kind of keep going through it the action's great the story is really fun uh, Alan Silvestri's score. I'm so happy they brought him back. Mm. That original Avengers theme comes on when Cap comes onto the, onto the uh, scene for the first time. Yeah. Uh, most of the original Avengers get that moment, and it just kind of builds the the hype a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> and also, too, like anytime um, someone from like their movies like all like they actually like some find found a way to like whip all those scores in there too yeah and i totally dug that especially um in one part where they're teasing wakanda and mm-hmm. then cap says home and then they got the the drums coming yeah um, they got the ludwig Gorenson black yes, panther theme tied so in with like the avengers theme or the mm-hmm. captain america mm-hmm. theme and it's really done really really well um i mean i thought it was paced really well i thought the way that they paired up these heroes and then they gave Thanos his own arc really <coughs> sorry uh, gave kind of a great way to this for the story to kind of play out spend a lot of time with characters at a certain for a long period of time and then go to a next section of characters and then it all culminates really nicely in a two-part finale basically that is insanely gutsy 
uh, one of the best reactions ever when the when it fades to black and goes to the credits. I mean, yeah. the, the theater I saw it in went crazy. Um, crazy? Or, crazy. Or dead stunned, silent. Uh, kind of like muttering like what the, yeah. <laughs> under their breaths. I mean, <laughs> there's there's so many reactions. Um, it's a great theater experience. I think you can see it even if you have limited knowledge on the MCU. I think they do a good enough job explaining all of this stuff that you need to know to... Uh, really enjoy this movie mm-hmm. and i mean as somebody who's followed the mcu for years um i mean they paid it off in such a great way that i i'm i'm thrilled with what we got yeah awesome is that it all right That's okay it. well i'm i think I'm, I'm pretty well alongside of you there um i mean infinity war is a bit of a quip and punch fest like so don't make a mistake all avengers films in some degree have been that um there's I think there's barely any exposition and I don't think any one character in this movie has more than like three pages of dialogue because there's just so much happening there. But the movie does a great job of sailing you through endless action and suspense and fun. Um, And I don't know, I think we complained once about running time or at least I did, Mm -hmm. but no, I mean the movie runs out to like two hours and 20 minutes or something like that. And then you got like 15 minutes of credits. Yeah. (laughs) It is ridiculous. But anyway, but so that didn't end up being a problem, but this movie right here is proof. This is the hard work of 18 movies. And they just have fun with it. I mean, it's, it's literally, all of the heavy lifting is done. And now the story just sort of slides in effortlessly. And everything that happens makes sense. You think you said they did a great job for first-time entrance? Yeah, fair job. But if you have all of that mm-hmm. support underneath, you get a really great uh, story to build from. Right. It's like if you jumped... It's almost like watching a full season of TV. Mm-hmm. Be like, okay, I'm going to watch the first whole season of you know lost or something yeah but then like somebody like only watches this lost series finale and they're like uh okay it was fine you're not gonna get the payoff because you didn't enjoy the long ride Mm -hmm. so i think that's kind of how this is a movie franchise but it more compares to a series of novels or a television series and kind of that long form storytelling absolutely like they put all of the stories pieces across all of the other films and then it was like lining up the dominoes and the start of this movie is just pushing that first one and letting the wave go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's exactly what it is. Um, the, the mixing of characters on this scale, it was, it was just so wild. Um, uh, I mean, I'm trying to, working around spoilers here, so I'll stay yeah, general. It's tough. But you get everything you would want and each time you see a new interaction or a new permutation of the groups meeting for the first time but more specifically the guardians getting mm-hmm. to earth uh is or at least with our avengers yeah is like the icing on the cake uh, for me anyway but i mean it's funny uh you see templates of the keys characters just meshing and interacting and it's exactly what you would want um you, we talked about score uh thanos as a villain definitely has a certain gravity to him and like you said when he's on screen something is something important is going to happen mm-hmm. and you get glued into that um but 
all in all, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've got a few reservations about it. Okay. But I definitely, I mean, I can't not give this five ticket stubs. Okay. Because at the end of the day, there's there's not a bad beat to this movie. And what I have a problem with is just nitpicking story or story things. And that's okay. about it. I mean, just like, eh, not me for me. And we'll go for it. But yeah, uh, just so thrilled and can't believe I saw what I saw. <laughs> right. All right. So let's get into spoilers. Um, we'll get into the story, really. Yeah. Real so review. What, what were those kind of hangups for you then? Hangups? I mean, it wasn't anything super, uh, in like, you know, big. But it was, I thought they took an off-ramp with some of the consequences. Okay. A little bit. But this is the big ending of the movie. Oh, so that's... Okay. And it's also part of a two-part Infinity mm-hmm. War gauntlet series. Right. And we get we get character deaths. We do see Loki crushed, his uh-huh. windpipe cru- crushed. Like, and let me say, that opening is very brutal. Yeah. The first shots of this film are the Asgardian vessel on fire and dead bodies scattered on the mm-hmm. floor and I'm, I'm walking this and I'm like oh my goodness what is going on here but we lose Loki and we do lose Vision mm-hmm. and then we and also we lose Heimdall mm-hmm. and Gamora the, the biggest one yeah Gamora the one that I don't think I saw coming no. in the slightest well, makes sense when you think about Zoe Soldata's very busy schedule but kind of kind but of she's also said that she's doing stuff for Avengers 4 James Gunn previously said that Zoe Saldana or Gamora had a big role to play in Guardians 3. Maybe it's just dealing with the after effects mm-hmm. of this movie. Yeah. But who knows? But aside from those, um, the real Avengers that you have like real uh, super big feelings attached to for the uh-huh. last six movies, nothing happens to them. They survive, mm-hmm. which makes sense. You need heroes for the next movie. Yeah. But the other heroes just sort of fade away into the distance. And it, into the ground. <laughs> into the ground, yeah, or you know, they dust, float away. Whatever happens. And I was just kind of like, oh, they really didn't really um, punch you in the face with anybody except for Gamora and mm-hmm. Loki. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know if why. It wasn't a hang-up. It was just like, oh, okay, this is a part of a bigger thing. Okay. And so I was like, all right. So I'll, I'll, I'll hold off and see what the final story is when these right. are all together. I think Vision's death worked for me because – we got to see Scarlet Witch kill or you know blow up the, the <laughs> Mind Stone the first yeah. time, and it's really an emotional scene between Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, and mm-hmm. it's really well acted and executed. And you're just like, man, that sucks. It's like she had to kill him, and yeah. then it's just like then I was like, it doesn't matter. I have Time Stone, <laughs> and then yes. she freaks out, and then Vision comes back to life, and he's like, kind of like, wait, what? And then it gets. He literally gets the stone ripped out of his skull, mm-hmm. and then like the color from his you know body just like vanishes, right? And it's like you know life being drained out of him. Um, and I thought that was that worked for me in that way. Um, I, I agree that kind of trying to pass it off like oh we're losing all these people, it doesn't work the best. Uh, not the best. There's not as as great emotional weight on it as there could be because we know that this is the end of the MCU. Yeah. We know Spider-Man's getting a sequel. Exactly. So like his death, his death quote unquote, Mm -hmm. isn't that great, but 
you know, the emotional imp- the emotional scene between Tom Holland and Rob Downey Jr. Oh, man. works really well because they set up that arc through Civil War, through Spider-Man Homecoming. And then even in this movie when Tony's like, all right, go home, kid. You're, this is out of your league. And then he disobeys Tony, stays mm-hmm. on the ship. And then he's like, basically like tells Tony, this is your fault. And like for like, I'm here because of you. And he's like, no, no, I don't want that on my, on my conscience because if something bad happens, it's on, it's on Tony. Yeah. And he doesn't want that, those repercussions on him. Right. That's why he's apologizing to him in the end. Yeah. So I thought his death out of any of the, you know, quote unquote deaths worked the best for me. I like mm-hmm. Drax's um, more the second time. Cause he just goes quill yeah. quill. And then you're like, Oh, Drax. No, <laughs> but like, I mean, Black Panthers is super quick. Falcons is quick. Bucky's right. is quick. Um, you know, they kind of just all happen really quickly. And you're yeah. like, okay, this is where we're going. But again, we don't we don't know what's happened precisely. Even though it looks like they're dead, you know, they could have been transported to another dimension. Um, mm-hmm. They could have been absorbed by the Soul Stone. Uh, maybe they are actually dead, and then it takes some reversal of this. That that's what Avengers Four is all about, and so there there are ways to kind of maybe make this work a little better after we see Avengers Four. But there's also ways that you know I think there's a way that you could we could see Avengers Four next year and then be like, oh okay, so yeah, the ending of Infinity War works not as well as we even thought beforehand mm-hmm. um which you know we'll have to wait and see but i think for me right the difficulty th- in this is that this is an avengers movie this is the avengers story so i think it's poetic that the original six we assume oh, are also alive i mean we know hawkeye's in avengers 4 so mm-hmm. he's still around um, yeah, because he's not in this movie. He's not. And not who else all. is not in this movie? His family. Because And they're not going to be the next movie either because they're going to be part of the half of the universe that gets wiped away. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. I, have, I do have questions about what this means for our wa- a little wager. I think but we I talked about Avengers 4 as well. Did we? I think so. All right. So we'll have to wait, we'll have to wait another year to <laughs> okay, figure out enough. who wins this. But I, I mean... I feel pretty confident that we're going to see them die. Whether or not they stay dead, that's a different conversation. Sure. Because uh, I have a theory that since all of the original Avengers are dead or are alive and basically all of the future Avengers are dead currently, mm-hmm. uh, what if like Avengers 4 is about them figuring out how to defeat Thanos and then they have to set – but then like the death still has to happen in order for it to – you know, take so, place. So they sacrifice themselves to bring back Black Panther, to bring back Spider-Man, to bring back the OGs. Doctor Strange and all of this mm. stuff, bring back the new blood, Interesting. leaving the old blood behind. I think yeah. that'd be a really creative way to kind of okay do that because then you could do that and it'd still have impact on the ending of Infinity War because you watch Infinity War on repeat viewing in like two years and you're going to watch Avengers 4 again and you're like, oh man, we see all these people die and these guys live, and I'm happy they're alive, but I know that they're about to sacrifice themselves in the next movie. Yeah. Um, it could make for a really interesting arc that way. Right. So, yeah, the, the cliffhanger, the ending, how this portrays, that was that was certainly one of them. Okay. Um, for sure. That's the biggest one? That's the biggest one. My smaller one is I d- didn't, didn't quite cross the finish line on Thanos as a sympathetic villain or trying to grasp his understanding. Okay. I, I do agree he's the best. So he's... 
I don't know. He doesn't beat Michael Jordan's, but he's he's definitely second best. Okay. And you do get a lot a lot of time spent on him because mm-hmm. it's really his movie um, about how he's come to this conclusion. But at the same time, you're listening to him talk, and you're like, dude, you're talking about genocide this entire time. Yeah. Uh, your your tears are from for Gamora. Ultimately, you're still throwing her into the well of souls. You didn't, like, you didn't buy that love for her. No, we just didn't get, we didn't get that built. Her relationship okay. with him was more important, but I didn't feel it going the other way. Okay. And maybe that was supposed to be his tears. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, it was that the flashbacks. Yeah. You know, there's kind of that build up that like, you know, my favorite daughter line, um, mm-hmm. from guardians. I think they do a decent enough job laying it out there. I mean, I, I think it's better than, most for sure. Them like shoehorning in death into this movie. Definitely. Being like trying to explain that. Be like, oh, he's doing this to impress an entity known as Mistress Death. People would be like, what the heck are for they sure. doing? So I think trying to ground it more in Gamora mm-hmm. makes more sense for this version of the story and yep. gives Gamora a lot of screen time. It does for sure. And he's got a two movie arc and that's something important. Like this is half of a series of right. a, this is half of a story mm-hmm. in a really large series that wants to be judged across it. Yeah. So it's just like a small little hang up mm-hmm. for sure. But okay. that's, that's, that's really, yeah, that's all I had. And everything else was just pure joy. All right. All so let's get through. into some of the joy here. What please, or who, who were your favorite characters? Um, okay. In Infinity War? I guess my favorite characters are my favorite story point too. Okay. But it's when the, Guardians meet up with Iron Man and Strange and Parker. That 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 mixture, I think, was the best one, mm-hmm. sustained wise, um, because they're all so they're all so similar. Um, ego, a little bit of arrogance, but at the same time, they're all extremely different. Yeah. Stark's arrogance is way different than Quill's arrogance, and in the same way manner that Strange is still stepping back from that in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, wow, I always put these two the same in my head, but Quill is just way weirder. <laughs> yeah. Much more he's much more afraid of like or he's he's worried that he's not masculine, whereas Stark mm-hmm. is just like, I'm the smartest in the room, kind of like a shut up attitude. Yeah. <laughs> just it was a perfect it was a perfect uh stretch there for sure. And then Drax um meeting all of them and embarrassing Quill. He's like, tell them about the dance off <laughs> the fate of the galaxy. Listen to dance off. <laughs> He's like like Kevin Bacon. Oh, and then the Footloose joke. Yeah, like the greatest movie ever. Is it still the greatest movie ever? It never was. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. get super mad. Is Kevin Bacon an adventure? Uh, I don't know. I haven't been there in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and then I just love the running gag that Peter Parker's um, his perspective on the Avengers all the way comes through the movies that he's seen. Uh huh. And when he has the idea to get rid of uh, whatever Ebony his name Ma. is. Ebony Marr. He's like, so do you have any plans? He's like, have you ever seen that really old movie Aliens? And then they <laughs> cut to the the battle. But uh, it was it was just really, I love that running gag that the Russos have with him. Yeah, it's it's a really fun one. Um, I think Strange is one of my favorite characters in this movie, for yeah. sure. Um, he kind of has the most complete arc of any of the heroes, mm-hmm. um, outside of probably Tony. Um, they're, they're, I feel like they're like the two leads human wise 100% um but I, strange is, sticks out more to me because we've only, we've seen less of him um so it's it's nice to see the kind of evolution of him as uh, a wizard see him become more powerful see him stand up to thanos 
Um, but then also, you know, have him make those remarks as dark of being like, you know, calling him a douchebag and then like also like <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> just like having like kind of playful banter with him, but then also saying like, listen, I'm I'm the guardian of the time stone. Mm-hmm. You know, if it comes down to guarding this and letting you and the boy die, make no mistake about it. I'm going to choose to protect the stone. Yeah. And it's like, all right, which we'll get into his eventual decision on that later on. But uh, his arc was definitely one of my favorites. Thor as well. Oh, yeah. Such a standout. I mean, Mm -hmm. his is more of like the comedic side of like he gets a lot of the best comedic beats, whether it's played off of Mm Star-Lord and being the god man (laughs) to to just being the regular boy that, you know, Star-Lord is and, you know, the muscular physique of him and everything. But then also he gets some of the best action stuff. Holy smoke. When he picks up Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker is incredible. Um, And that was... When he when he ent- when he comes into Wakanda for the first time with Groot and Rocket, what an entrance! I mean, that's probably one of the biggest cheers my theater gave was at that moment because it's just so epic. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any other your kind of favorites? Uh, other favorites? I mean, you, um, not anything that you haven't said so far. I mean, outside of that, those are the real. Those are the strongest moments in the movie. Um, Captain America, like surprisingly, weirdly enough, Captain America and. Uh, Ruffalo and everybody like that they're all just kind of every time we were with them I was like okay yeah but what's Thor doing you know right. things like that they, they were just like let's go to Wakanda uh-huh. and when we got to Wakanda I was so I was a little bit ticked that we didn't get more Shuri or more Bozeman but I'm like yeah let's talk about that because sure. there's like I don't know if there's a criticism to the movie because mm-hmm. there's kind of a lack of Wakanda like they definitely played up in chairs like, oh, it's Wakanda. We're going to Wakanda. The yeah. big thing. And like Black Panther 1.5. And like and like Bozeman said, it's not Black Panther 1.5. It's not Black Panther 2. That's not what this movie is. And he's yeah. definitely right because it's really kind of a backdrop. And I don't have a problem with that because you have a movie with 22 heroes and a villain plus his four or five hench guys. Like, mm-hmm. That's a lot of characters to juggle, not to mention Pepper Potts, you know, right. uh, General Ross, like all these other people you sprinkling throughout the movie. So like them focusing on the original Avengers for the most part, or at least people who are most important to the story makes more sense to me than be like, all right, well, let's make sure we give Shuri her own five minute arc over here <laughs> yeah. and like taking mm-hmm. it away from the movie. Um so that doesn't bother me because yeah. we know we're going to see a lot more of these characters moving forward. So right. like the, f- the first two Avengers movies <clears throat> have been about a very specific group of characters. So the third one should still be about those characters. It'd be like, all right, well, Thor three, we've seen Thor. We've seen two Thor movies, but you know, let's make sure this is Hulk's movie instead. It, I mean, it, it, it's half of it's half Hulk's movie, sure. it's half Thor's movie, but still Thor is the main character of Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, and partially, I think I set myself up for this disappointment, too. I mean, like, of course, Shuri was never going to be, like, central to this, and neither was Black Panther. I think I sort of figured they were uh, third act, mm-hmm. you know, or second act type of a deal. Yeah. So I was never like, oh, yeah, here we go, here we go. I just was like, oh, man, I wish I could have seen this play out a little bit more. But, like, I mean, like you said, yeah, that's it's, fair. The, it's the beginning of, like, I'm judging it all as a first act movie, okay. a part one of part two, even though it's not the case. Right. I mean, it is the case, but it's just 
titled differently. Right. I mean, I personally, I think it still works really well as yes. a single movie. You start off with Thanos, you end with Thanos winning. I mean, it's his movie, so the fact that like you don't really understand what's going on with maybe the heroes necessarily, you don't get the full picture of them. It's like, okay, this mm-hmm. is Thanos' movie. He should be the focus. He's the one that wins. We should end with him. We should start with him. We should get the most with Thanos, and we definitely do. So uh, he's he's one of my favorite characters in this movie for sure. Uh, other two I want to mention, uh, Rocket oh, yeah. is so good in this movie, and I've really grown to love him overdoing my rewatch. I think he's maybe a top five MCU character for me now. Um, he's just so fun but he all like you know him saying oh, yeah i'm the captain <laughs> that's right and starts like i'm the captain and you're like he's like shut up and like mm-hmm. you know try to always get somebody's appendages and, <laughs> or right. whatever I'm it is get that arm later <laughs> like it's just fun stuff like that but then he, he tries to he's like all right time to be the leader and tries to go on like comfort thor yeah and like it totally backfires he's like so you lost your dad and your brother what about your mom uh oh yeah she she died too mm-hmm. uh best friend just died stabbed uh, with the heart he's like yep. uh, all right. Well, good talk. <laughs> yeah. He's like, so I really don't have much to lose. He's like, well, me, I got a lot to lose. Yeah. And then the great one, of, I think one of the best little, I think it's like the smallest detail ever. They're like, how do we get rid of Thor's eye patch? And yeah. Then, <laughs> the rocket pulls out the eyeball <laughs> that he had had from, he stole from the whatever the dude was. Yeah. From, he's had it since the first Guardians movie, I believe. Ex- yeah, exactly. And <laughs> gives it to him. And I was like, that is, that is a great little gag. It is. To bring back. It's even um, different colored. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, I, it looked almost mechanical. So it's like, oh, is it going to switch into his eye color? Doesn't really matter. Right. But yeah. It's a fun little thing. Letting Gunn write those characters out. Definitely uh, helped. was a superb idea, especially yeah. with Drax's dialogue too. Like, I don't think those things would have come natural no. to anybody. Uh, the, who, where is Gamora? Who is Gamora? What, why is Gamora? <laughs> yeah. What is, I think that got the biggest laugh in my theater. Yeah. Uh, so, and then also his, I'm standing, I'm the master of standing very still. So. Yeah. Drax is great. I wish he would have had one great action beat. Yeah. He just cuts some legs. But that's, that's. That's about it. I mean, that's going into maybe a criticism of Guardians 2 because that's kind of where they they took the trajectory of Drax from being Drax the Destroyer in the first movie and getting a lot of really cool action. Guardians 2, he is, he's a jokester. He is, doesn't get that much action doing that movie either. So, like, I guess it makes sense in keeping in tune with that character the last time we saw him that he is still, like, this jokester almost mm-hmm. or he played for comedic effect. But it's Dave Batista. It's... You know, tracks right. destroyer. I want to see him destroy some stuff, or at least kill some people. Yeah, or at least try to. And he he doesn't really. Um, last one I'll mention quickly: Scarlet Witch. I thought she was. I thought Elizabeth Olsen was great. She dropped the accent. Uh, yeah, thank goodness. Which I was I was totally fine with. In my yeah. head, it's like, all right, well, she's been you know with Americans for like two years now, so it's just like that kind of thing. You just kind of get used to it, and you talk differently. It, and it just let her perform better. It did. And I was it I was, frees her up so much better. Yeah, when you don't. I mean, I haven't. Like I've tried an accent on various episodes of this podcast, to, you know, be a Russian or something like that. It's never worked out well. No. So I got to imagine professionals are pretty annoyed by it too. Yeah. I mean, at that same point, uh, better to come is American accent is really, is really good in this movie. Yeah, I still kind of, I don't understand why they never let him just be British. <laughs> like mm-hmm. totally could do that. You could be a British doctor. That's in America sure. now, whatever. It doesn't bother me, mm-hmm. but, uh, Away from favorite characters, what about some favorite moments? 
moment. Oh boy. There's one to me, both times I've seen it, that just like make me giddy. Above the rest. Of over everything Ooh, else. Okay. I've got a favorite action moment and I've got a favorite dialogue moment. Okay. My favorite my favorite moment in this movie yes. is when the battle kind of starts. And it's that and then up. Cap and Black Panther start just like sprinting they're running side by side. Yes. Like yes. Superman. And uh that like and then they leap over and it's it's just so good. And yes, you're like uh, it's their- a payoff of Civil War because they're like equally fast in that uh, car chase sequence basically. And then seeing that, just like them kind of burst through the crowd and then mm-hmm. just go full force. It's like, yes, these two are the baddest of the group. Yes. Of course, they would be the ones leading the charge and immediately start fighting the Outriders like alone and not be like, all right, we'll wait for the other uh, thousand people that are with us. No, we're just going to go take yes. on thousands of these aliens by ourselves. It was the perfect rip scene from the two towers. It was their, yeah. it was their Aragorn and Gimli moment <laughs> in that riverbed, just ripping them apart. And I was like, ah, oh, that's so cool. But to kind of like addendum or follow up with that later in the movie, when Thor finally gets Stormbreaker and yeah. comes back down to earth, the shot's only there for two and a half seconds, but it is the, I think it's the most beautiful thing that it's been in an Avenger movie. I'll put I'll put an asterisk on that, and okay. it is Thor's Bifrost empowered hammer going toe to toe with Thanos's Infinity Gauntlet, and it wins. Oh, yeah. It wins, yep. <laughs> and that's the that is the most epic moment. He comes in across the tree line down on Thanos, and mm-hmm. you get to see him just those, those blast forces just collide yeah. until he ultimately runs Stormbreaker right through Thanos's chest, and I was just like, and then forces it in deeper. Yep. It was so cool. Yeah, I I even love like after they land in Wakanda and we get like the, the tracking shot of Stormbreaker. Yeah, then like he through. jumps in the air and we got like a freeze frame slow mo almost, and it's just like super cool. Um, well, my other favorite moments, a lot of this comes from Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Um, Bucky grabbing Rocket and yes. spinning around. It's a callback <laughs> to Guardians. It's so cool. And then it leads to that fun exchange. How mm-hmm. much for the gun? Not for sale. How much for the arm? No answer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get that arm. Like, really fun moment. Um, loved, loved, lo- loved that so much. Oh, ab- absolutely. Um, something I did appreciate. I mean, this isn't really uh, favorite moment-wise, but I did love everything they did with Hulk's arc. Uh-huh. Uh, Hulk gets his uh, butt kicked in the first five minutes of the movie by Thanos. Yeah. And Heindel saves... Hulk right before he gets eliminated and sends him back to Earth, and that's what kicks off Stark's adventure. And after he gets back to Earth, the Hulk doesn't want to come nope. out because he's been beaten for the first time. And uh, it leads to some really cool graphs of the for that we can that shows us for the first time Ruffalo or Banner and the Hulk are two different people yeah. at this at this moment. And they're ha- they're kind of in conversation with each other, and one of the moments where uh, I think it's in Wakanda, while he's in the Hulkbuster, he takes over the face completely, and he's like, "No, yeah. I'm not coming out." When Banner's begging him to, and I I really like this. I really like that aspect of it now, and I think it's going to lead to some really cool stuff. For yeah, because he's going like the future. Hulk, buddy. We got a lot of stuff to figure out. <laughs> yes, um, and I I love that too because you know. The last time we saw Hulk, and this movie picks up right after Thor Ragnarok, basically, mm-hmm. he just spent two years 
being the 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 champion on Sakar, like never right. losing, yeah. being loved by everybody, being this like god basically. And also Hulk has like this like childlike mentality like like that's why he speaks the way he does that's the way like mm-hmm. he like he's like rebelling because he's like a five-year-old child basically so like he's gonna get beat down like that of course he's not gonna want to come <laughs> yeah, out he's pouting he's like he's super embarrassed he's and like you know <laughs> i love when you know uh, they're trying to get him out for the first time on the streets of new york and he's like all right uh, just give me a second i'm just having a little difficulty and stark looks at him, he's like Dude, you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's like come that on. whole that whole opening scene in New York too is Stark tries to get a handle on who he's dealing with. Yeah. With Strange and as Peter shows up, and let me say by the way, Peter swinging out of that bus, uh, Jacob Battalone. Oh my gosh. His moment where he's like he. Parker's like, hey, you should cause a distraction for me. Ned looks up, hasn't heard what Peter had said, sees the spaceship, loses his, you know, loses <laughs> it, and then runs to the back of the bus. And We're all going to die. <laughs> yes. I was like, oh, that's, that is so in character. Yeah. And like I said, like, they just put all of these little structures in place mm-hmm. and then lay their story on top of it. Yep. And it just runs mm-hmm. so smoothly that no, no part of this felt... Uh, disheveled Mm -mm. or uh, at all out of place or out of character with these people. Mm. Peter Parker acts the same way you think. Tony Stark acts Mm -hmm. the same way you think. Strange comes into his own, like you said, and uh, yeah, it was just so good. But going back to the wizard thing, um, I forget there's a, there's a line of dialogue where Tony tries to catch Peter up with like what's going on uh-huh. and he combines all those things together where like the wizard's protecting a magic gem and these <laughs> guys are trying to steal it. Yeah. <laughs> the aliens are here for the wizard's magic gem. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> it is great. And I, I going back to your point on kind of the different tones, I think that's like the masterful thing the Russos did here and like the real achievement of Marvel, what Marvel Studios have been able to do, they've made you know, buddy cop movies like Iron Man 3. They've made political thrillers like Captain America 2. They've mm-hmm. made space drum, space uh, operas. They've made space comedies. They've made, like, so many different subgenres with so many different types of characters that, like, I don't know how you do this and make it work, and they did it. Like, they yeah. were able to make all these characters interact, still have all of their backstory, make all of these different characters from all these different types of movies still feel like themselves, but never feel like, eh, Guardians, they don't work with, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange. The tones mm-hmm. don't drive. No, like, they they adopt, and they, you know, combine together, and it works because he's still this, you know, arrogant, just, like, brush everything off, of, like, you guys don't know what you're talking about sort of thing. And mm-hmm. then Chris Pratt's still like, no, I I know what we can do. Yeah. I've got the plan. Let me do the plan. This is my plan. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. And it all works so, so well. Um one other Wakanda moment that I really, really loved, oh, yes. uh, which and makes you want that all-female team-up movie so, so much, is when oh, yeah. Okoye, Black Widow, and Scarlet Witch team up trench. to fight um, Proxima Midnight. Mm-hmm. It's it's so good. I mean, their interactions together, I think, are so well done that uh, I, I'm all I'm all for that movie. Yeah, I hope Black, it happens. Black Widow, twenty twenty. Yeah, or twenty whatever. I mean, Probably an origin movie, but very soon. Who knows? Um, and the last one I have to mention because this was the most shocking thing to me in this movie. Most shocking. Red Skull. Oh yeah. Lives. <laughs> what the heck? 
Ross McQuand from The Walking Dead, I think is his name, uh, did the voice of the character. He's been living in on this other world, Vormid, or I don't remember what it's called, but like basically guarding the soul stone almost. He like says that he was after the infinity stones this whole time, yeah. which is why I went, went after the Tesseract and first Avenger. I mean, you never, I never thought we would get him back in infinity war in this way. And so the fact that it didn't leak, there were no like rumors of it at all. Not even like a guy's, you know, some random blog be like, guys, I heard Red Skull's in. I don't know if it's Hugo Weaving. I don't know what capacity. Right. But he's he's involved somehow. Nothing. And then he's in there, and it's it was so, so, so cool. Um, I doubt we'll ever see him again because it looks like he's stranded on that planet for whatever yeah, reason. For good. But, I mean, that was that was a very, very cool moment. Yeah. It, was, it, it took me a second, too. I was just like, who's this dude? And then we got finally up to the well, and I'm like, that's Red Skull. Yeah. And I had to like, uh, you know, like recheck myself real quick. And that's the only moment that like, and this is only because we saw it opening night at the seven o'clock with literally the super, super fans. Cause uh, you know, like when you see a Marvel movie, normally credits roll, you have those five to 10 stragglers that roll it, And you're like, you idiots. Yeah. Do you not know there's a post credit scene. Literally nobody left. I don't know if it was because of shock or if it was because they just knew yeah. what was coming and that they knew to stick around. But the Red Skull moment was the only ones I had to explain to my sisters, be like, oh, that's who this is because it got such a big reaction from the crowd that like everybody knew who it was. And they're like, wait, who is that? Mm-hmm. But like, if you see this like by yourself or whatever, like with a general audience who doesn't know that, yeah. It's not. It's not going to throw you out of the movie. It's. It's going to make you ask questions like that. And be like, wait, who is that guy? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's in a previous movie. Oh, I want to go watch that movie. Yeah. Um, so that those are the kinds of cool mini cameo things that I I love when Marvel does that sort of stuff. Absolutely. But uh, I mean, we're in the ending territory here. But I mean, let's so let's talk about it. Right. Thanos wins. He gets all six, all five, all six. All six. All six Infinity Stones, snaps the fingers, and half the universe disappears. Vanishes. Gone. And, I mean, I I hoped they would do it. I didn't think they would. Um, and then I even, I don't remember if it was in the preview episode or when, but I remember mentioning, oh, yeah, you know, one of the Infinity storylines, it ends with like Thanos just being off on a planet all by himself, being a farmer. And they, they basically do that to end this movie. <laughs> yes. I don't know if he is on a different planet, if he's on like Gamora's homeworld, or if he's in this world inside the pocket dimension that's inside of the Soul Stone, mm-hmm. or wherever he is. But like, he's just like chilling, right? Watching he's- the sunset, and like that's how you end the movie with him just like giving a little smirk, and you're like, right? Are are you kidding me, Marvel? Yeah, he did his job, and now he's done. <laughs> like, oh man, that was just like, and it's yeah, it is. They did it. It. And it wraps up his his arc really well. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be sympathetic for him, but I did love that he, there was nothing outwardly. I mean, no, it's actually sinister. Conspiracy or thinking of genocide is very bad. Right. But he's just like I. He's totally sold on his idea, and he goes about it in the most plain way mm-hmm. outside of Gamora's little mini arc. And right. He does it, and he's like, all right. I'm retired. Yeah. Well, like that's the thing like I love about like, it is that like when he starts like battling all these heroes, he doesn't care about killing any of these people. Mm-mm. 
He doesn't care about fighting them. He just cares about getting the Infinity Stone. So, like, there's the moment when he's on Titan and he's basically already defeated all these heroes already. But then, like, Star-Lord's flying at him again. He's got Tony on the ropes. Like, he could easily just wipe him out. He already he gave him the little wound to the chest. And you're like, oh, my, did they just kill Tony Stark? Uh, yeah. Crazy moment. But then, like, he could have finished them off. Instead, he's like, all right. He says, like, all right, one to go or whatever he says. And, like, goes to Wakanda. And you're like, if he won, if he was just this crazy, bloodthirsty madman, he would just kill all these people. But that's not who he is. He's just a guy who has seen what overpopulation or whatever it may be can yeah. do. And he's trying to save the universe from destroying itself. He's not He's not interested in killing all of these people trying to stop him. Yeah. So he, when he gets the Infinity Stone, he's like, all right, that part's done. On to the next one. So he, like, he has no interest in killing these people. Right. He'll just like... Whatever the souls, whatever these stones decide, whoever they decide to kill, it, fine. That's yes. it. I don't care about killing these people. I'm gonna go retire, be on this planet, and watch a sunset. It's the it's the first non hysterically evil villain. Yeah. That I think they've had. I mean, Michael Keaton's, but he's a smaller scale and mm-hmm. he's got more personal drives. Right. Thanos has those too, and I I think that's why I would put, you know, Jordan Keaton Thanos. Right up there, and Loki all together, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the the four best right there because of their their motives are so um, complex. Yeah, are, are both you know there's an and to them. Yeah, even if they're not sympathetic, they're at least understandable. Uh, well, I don't understand genocide, but but like you, the methods he goes about doing it is very. Um, you can you can get into it a little bit easier, like you said, like that point you said where he's like totally random totally uh fair rich and poor and strong and weak the the it'll be the ultimate random decision mm-hmm. completely egalitarian and it's like okay a little carl marxian <laughs> a bit and then you know like you said like he passes up killing quill uh on nowhere in nowhere uh, on titan oh on nowhere or on too nowhere, yeah like he could have just reached yeah. out after he took the gun and Popped his head. Popped his head. So he's like, but he didn't. I like you. Yeah. And then <laughs> walked away. And then there's also, there's moments where you're just like, yeah, he didn't kill Stark or he didn't kill like anyone. Like really. the only person that he like kills, I think out of spite is just Loki, but right. that's because he failed him. So like Loki kind of had that coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Loki was lying to him too. That's true. And he just tried to kill him. Yeah. He tried to but put like, a dagger through his neck. Look, you, you're blowing up that spaceship. So like, you don't have to do that. But I feel like you're there you're like. Dude, you already let me down. Now you're trying to like, right? Be like, oh yeah, I'll come be your guide. And no, not not dealing with that. No yeah, way. Yeah, and it really comes out to his the children of Thanos or his the children yeah. of Thanos. Okay, yeah, they really do all of the dirty work. Yep. And he's just sort of like, I'm gonna look the other way until like so I can do what I want. Uh-huh. Um, when it finally yeah comes time for him to act it all out, he's just sort of goes about it in a really methodical way and you he never does anything where you're like why are you telling everybody your plan type of a deal right like that never happens except once when he tries to reason with strange mm-hmm. and that's it so yeah like he's yeah he's he's the most his his plan was so complete and so simple yeah and it makes sense in the end mm-hmm. and i was like that that's that was really need. good i mean it's awful and horrific right but Wow. Okay, you 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 reversed the stupid villain evil plan on its head, right. and there you go. I mean, and that's that's the 
That's the Russos um, localizing what we saw in The Winter Soldier yeah. in a lot of ways. It was that level of clarity and cleverness put to him in a more straightforward way uh-huh. without any deception or deceit or anything like that, you know? So it was it was really, really good. So as, as we kind of wrap this up, I got a bunch of questions here. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, when Stormbreaker impales Thanos, yeah. did you think that like they, they just killed him? No, because he's got all the stones, yeah. and I thought, oh, he morphed. He I mean like he made the Hulkbuster. Uh, what do you call it? Opaque yeah, like, or uh, translucent? Yeah, like, they, like, they, like, he phased him. him yeah, into he phased the him. Rocks. Perfect. Oh yeah. By the way, yeah. Which I have to. That's one more thing I have to talk about. Because then he's out of it. Because then he's out of it. He, he, he buries him into the rocks. Yeah. And then that last shot. With the Hulkbuster in the background of Captain America over Vision's body, I think it is. Uh, yeah. Or whoever is at least it's nearby. Yeah, uh, that didn't work for me. I was just like, oh, get him out of the Hulkbuster or something like that, because it's just the, Ruffalo's head. Yeah, sticking there's, out. there's. <laughs> it made me giggle, but that the the floating head problem Marvel has with the Iron Man suits is the only bad CG in this movie. Yeah, for sure. But I was just it was a giggle moment. But I did, I didn't, I thought, wow, that thing is powerful. I'm like. They've got him, but he's he's messing with them. Yeah. And I was waiting. You should have aimed for the head. Yeah. Mm. And you're like, that. when he said, I was like, oh, shoot. The part, the one that actually got me maybe a little more than that, when, when Stormbreaker impaled him, I was like, what? I was like, no, Marvel, don't do this. Don't kill Thanos right now. Yeah. I would have been, been upset if they killed him after one movie. Um, the part that got me, not out of being like, are you serious? More just like... Uh, wait, what is when Gamora. Gamora gets him when the reality stone is taken over nowhere? Mm-hmm. And then Quill's like, well, that was pretty quick. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, it was. I'm like, what is the rest of this movie about? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, is it time travels, alternate dimensions? What is good, what is this movie going to be? And then it's like, oh, okay, just reality. All right. Yeah. Whew. Okay. <laughs> like it makes it much cleaner. I, I was like, my head went like to a million different places. It was like me. I was strange on Titan and like seeing all the different alternate futures. Like, wait, uh, uh, where, where, where did this movie go? And I was like, okay, it's 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 mm-hmm. a very simple one. Thankfully. So, did you think that for the second then, because it doesn't come till later in the film? So, were you thinking then? Oh snap! This movie is taking place in different timelines, and somehow they're all going to get rearranged. Um, that was one of the things that crossed my mind. Okay. I was. Yeah, I was cycling through, you know, multiple realities, different dimensions, um, time travel. Um, I mean, if somebody, if one of the heroes was actually going to get the gauntlet and then turn against them, like there was so many things that went through my brain. Yeah. And, uh, I figured he kind of did something. Though, yeah, I was like, them. I was like, there's got, I mean, too, come on, there's no way. Too easy. <laughs> but um, Benedict, uh, Benicio, not Benedict, Benicio, Benicio del Toro. Toro coming back to be a little bit hysterical was great. And yeah, it was. I love that the Russos, uh, I don't know, you have never seen the show Arrested Development, have you? I have. Okay. Well, um, Tobias yeah. Bluth, yeah. Did you did you catch him? Off I have to the not. Side I don't catch it. I've heard about it, but I'm not. I've yeah. not actually seen it myself. Uh, off to the left, when they're walking in, uh, he's, he's he's part of the collector's collection. Which which is funny. Um, which is interesting because is that the actual collector's collection, or is that Thanos's interpretation of the collector's collection? And that means Thanos <laughs> is a fan of rest development. What does it mean? Who knows? Um, but getting into kind of the consequences of this movie. Yes. Is Star Lord to blame? 
<sighs> no, he's not to blame. And I've arrived at this because I was ready to say one of the things I hate is how did Doctor Strange not know that the, the permutation that he picked mm-hmm. was where Peter Quill lost his uh, lost his sanity yeah. uh, over Gamora's death, which rightfully so, whatever. I think it's all a part of his plan. Yeah, that was my next question. Because I think he knew what was up. And uh, for some reason, cosmically, he's just like, we'll let the cards go where they may now. And that's why he gives up the stone and everything like that. Because he knows that they lose, Mm -hmm. but he also knows what comes next, even if he won't be a part of it. Right. That's why he... I mean, it doesn't make sense from an all-knowing perspective, but... He gave up the stone to protect Stark's life because he knew he needed to do that. Because Stark so that is somehow key to the end figuring game. out the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think he, I mean, he's to blame for in the moment for them losing. Yes. Definitely. Especially because then he goes, wait, did we just lose mm-hmm. after Thanos leaves? And you're like, yeah, because of you. We right. were, we, we literally pulled it off of him and then he, he got it right back. Yeah. If you would have just helped us, we would have gotten it. It probably would have been one of the one four billion six hundred and five you know ways that like that was one of them. You get it off, and then he kills you guys anyways because he's that strong. And then whatever happens, happens. But I, I think it 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 also fits with Star Lord as a character. He's very emotional. He's very reactionary. We've mm-hmm. seen that. Uh, I mean, when in Guardians two that finale, he's yeah. like, "You shouldn't have killed my mom," and Ooh, you're and, and then you're like. Oh, oh snap he's gonna lose it and then he does uh i don't you i don't control this with my with my brain i control it with my heart ah, uh, and then you know he you realize how to use the celestial powers and all that stuff yeah um so i think it makes it like i knew it was gonna happen i was like there's there's no way he's gonna calm himself down and be rational about this because peter quill's a very passionate person mm-hmm. and he's gonna want to kill thanos because thanos as far as everybody knows just killed Gamora. Right. So, of course, he's going to want to get revenge of that. Makes sense. The only thing I may have an issue with, I don't even, is just like Tony be like, dude, come on, we've almost got this. Like, dude, you just like almost killed your best friend and his best friend because his best friend killed your mom yeah. as a brainwashed super soldier. They're you don't right. have that much room to talk. But... I do think this is somehow the one scenario out of the four billion that Doctor Strange saw where they come out on top. How that happens, mm-hmm. I have no idea. Yeah, it's gonna be the ultimate toll. I told you so, though. When it's over, he'll be like, "Dude, when he comes back eventually, I think he's coming back. I don't know. We'll get to this, but I think he's just gonna be like, yeah, all right, we're all good. See you tomorrow.' Yeah. <laughs> you'll like you'll go sit down on the couch, and we'll be like." What do you, that, that's it? You guys are like, yeah, it's exactly how I saw it. Yeah, because he doesn't, because Star Gossel, he's like, dude, why did you give up the time zone? He's like, we're in the end game. He doesn't say, I had to save you or like do a, a flip back on the line straight or Stark previously said where it's like saving his life just for professional courtesy. He doesn't make a quip. He says, we're in the end game now. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that right there says this is, however it crazy it may be losing over half of the heroes is the best way the only way that the, that the avengers can come out on top yeah doesn't make sense to me <laughs> in the moment but you right. know in a year from now when we're a week away from seeing avengers 4 and you know in 
a a year and a week after we've seen the movie, mm-hmm. uh, it'll it'll probably be much more like, oh, gotcha. Yeah. It'll be yeah. the quantum realm, or they did this and they did that. Got it. Makes sense. Um, you know, I had a question about does it work on its own. I feel like we've kind of touched on that already. Uh, if you have any other points you want to make on it, uh, no. I mean, like I said, yeah. I mean, well, it's a wait and see working on its own. I mean, it works on its own. That's why I gave it five ticket stubs. Right. If I really, really felt it didn't, I would have dropped it a little bit here. I, th- but, I yeah, I think it works on its own. It but I think it's a much better experience if you've seen everything else. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, it 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 this you can't judge this movie by itself anymore, though. No. It's impossible. The question we're saying though right now is, does it work on its own, or does it need its its uh, sister film to complete it? Mm-hmm. And I don't think so. But when we get to there, right, yeah, we'll be able to say whether it amplifies it mm-hmm. to the greatest two film arc of hero MCU, team up yeah. movies ever. And so you know we'll get to that point. But yeah, yes. um, so we'll, I'll, I'll skip over one of these and get into kind of the 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 biggest like wait what moment is mm-hmm. who is actually dead. And you said that was kind of your biggest question yeah. in this movie. I feel like everybody who dies before the snap is really dead. Mm-hmm. Or at least most of them. The only exception I could see is Gamora because of, because of the soul stone. Yeah. So in the, in the, cause in the comics, the soul stone is like, has an entry point to another dimension, the soul dimension and the soul stone traps the souls of the people that it kills. So that's why when he gets, when he, when Thanos wins and he snaps the fingers, he's transported to what appears to be the soul dimension and sees baby Gamora because that's how he always is envisioned her. Her soul is in there. Um, and then somehow and if, that- if they get the soul stone back, they can bring her back to life. They could even bring back the lives to everybody else oh. who also died because if the gauntlet's involved with the snap, you would think if it, if it works the same way as it does in the comics, that all of their souls also, they didn't die. That's, that's why they dissolved is because they're being potentially transferred into mm-hmm. the soul stone itself. Um, which yeah. would be really interesting. I also heard a great theory. But um, you're really okay. quick. That would so explain that line that the, that little Gamora delivers to Thanos uh-huh. then, too, because it's very cryptic and it's like, why is a little kid acting like, uh, you know, someone from Kubrick's, uh, you know, the shining type yeah. of thing, you know, like, okay, that doesn't make sense. But if that's older Gamora just sitting around in there, like, did you do it? Like asking like, yeah, what, what did, what did it take? What, at what cost? Right. So like, that's just like her chiding him. Mm-hmm. That's, that makes so much more sense. Yeah, it'd be very cool. And I heard if it if it if they don't pay it off in this movie, I heard a great theory from Hector Navarro on uh, Hyper Heroes on Hyper RPG on YouTube uh, that it, it's the same premise that Gamora's soul is trapped in the Soul Stone, but that that's actually what the whole plot of Guardians Three is going to be is about bringing her back to life. Hmm. And I think that I think that'd be a great way for Guardians Three to go. If like and especially at the, if at the end of Avengers Four they successfully defeat Thanos and they have to split up the stones. And then basically starts like, well, give me, I want the soul stone. And cause I'm going to try to save Gamora. And then it's about them. They bring Adam Warlock involved who has ties to soul stone in the comic books. Um, but he also has ties to the entire collection of stones yeah, too, yeah. which would make sense. Get these away from earth. 
thank you, Guardians. Guardians run into Warlock, who's hunting them after. I don't know, but no, I don't. There's I don't, all those ties that I think right. could really work. I don't think after Avengers four, if they split up the stones, I don't think they're gonna just. I, I think they'll split them up. I don't think they're all gonna go to one person. Okay, like having two of them on Earth is a bit like coincidental in it in and of itself. Like I want one on Earth, one you know, give one to Nova. Uh, Richard Ryder, the rebuilt Xandar, whatever, and give one to the Guardians, give one to Adam Warlock, give one to the Eternals. I mean, just split them up a little more so that way it's not like mm-hmm. three years later, like, all right, well, uh, we need some other big event. All right, all the Infinity Stones are back, and you're like, oh, what? We, we yeah. just did this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think everybody who, before the snap's dead, so Vision, Gamora, uh, Heimdale, and... Loki, yep. as well as all of the children of Thanos, all gone. For sure. Um, but then everybody else who vanishes will be coming back. I mean, most yep. of them we know will be coming back for sure because they've got sequels lined up, <laughs> whether it's the entire Guardians cast, Spider-Man, Black Panther is definitely <laughs> right. going to get one. Um, and then you would think Bucky and or Falcon would be around for Phase 4 to be the new Cap or whatever it may be. So, mm-hmm. uh that's that. And then we end the movie post credit scene. Yes. That I think is major for Avengers four. Obviously that's why they put it here. It's mm-hmm. obviously major for Captain Marvel because it's Nick Fury dissolving with Maria Hill, mm-hmm. but then he pulls out a pager yes. and he pages <laughs> Captain Marvel. We see her logo pop up on the pager mm-hmm. after, after the message was sent. Um, it's like some sort of distress signal, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think that's really cool because we know she's going to be in the movie, but the fact that the last thing Nick Fury wanted to do before he, you know, disappeared was page Captain Marvel right. is like, I think that is an immediate signal that she is going to be a mega player in the next movie. Absolutely. Even though I think it'll largely f- focus on the original Avengers and be like their, their giant send off. We'll get to see all six of them together for the first time since age of Ultron. Uh, you know, this will be Captain Marvel's coming out party and being like, I'm the new Omega level powerful hero, the new face of the franchise and everything. And Brie Larson's going to come in and just kill it and probably Thanos. Yeah. I, I a thousand percent. They love the idea that it's a pager. I love it. Be, oh, it's a high tech interstellar right. pager. Uh, that was sweet. And yeah, I mean, it, it it's telling... Well, it's not telling yet, but it's it's going to be interesting to see like what makes this time different. What made that time different for Nick Fury, other than like you know the first right. time Loki showed up? Why didn't you do it then? But then maybe he's like, well, why bother the person saving the galaxy? Right. So, well, you know, I'm, I'm interested in some of these little nuances. Yeah. But I, it, I, yeah, it's it's very cool that it's very cool that they felt it was important to put that there mm-hmm. because of its importance to the next movie and because of. It's the her standalone yeah. coming up. It's a twofer. So right, I think you know as as excited as people were after Black Panther, to be like, oh, Infinity War's coming out, and Black Panther and Wakanda are front and center in that marketing. Mm-hmm. They're going to be huge, and maybe they come out a little disappointed because they're not as big of a role. Yeah, I think this tease alone signals that's not going to happen with Avengers Four. Captain Marvel is going to debut in March next year, and then two months later, she's going to be in Avengers Four and be one of the most important characters, not a backseat supporting character. She's going to come in 
and immediately like cement herself as one of the biggest players in the MCU. And yeah, uh, sure. I can't wait to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. It got a huge round of applause in my theater. Um, yeah. And so. um, immediately after, you got exactly what you predicted yes. months and months yes, ago. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Thanos will return. Yes. No promises <laughs> for anybody else. I thought that was great. That was the great thing because everybody's cheering. Yeah, Captain Marvel. Then it goes, boo, no. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, mama mia. Here uh, we go. Yeah, I saw, I saw one person, you know, I follow on Twitter basically like, uh, you know, I'd, there were 30 people on my screen who yelled, what the F? <laughs> when they would have said Thanos will return. And, <laughs> and it was, uh, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's an appropriate response to have. It's a, it's, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's fitting. It's super yeah, fitting. It's, it's so good. And I mean, yeah, round two with Avengers four, I think is going to, I mean, the, the writers, Stephen, uh, Christopher Mark and Stephen McFeely said it's bigger and better Boy. than in this movie. If That'd that's the, if that's the case, I mean, we know we're getting Captain Marvel. Uh, Ant-Man's going to be there. Wasp is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hawkeye slash Ronan is going to be there. Uh, that's I mean, right. I mean, that's just the four main ones we know about, let alone if, you know, like, um, you know, Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne are involved or if, I mean, who, whoever else comes into play, maybe the, the TV characters too. You never know. Like, uh, it, it'll be, it'll be crazy. It'll be wild. And, uh, Valkyrie could come back. She's not in this movie. Yeah. Um, uh, her, her and Korg's, um, deaths were not confirmed nor denied. So yeah, I think that they're not there is definitely a, and like there are reports of Tess Thompson being on set for this movie at one point, whether it was before during infinity war and they were shooting scenes for Avengers four mm-hmm. remains to be seen, obviously, because he's not in this movie. And yeah. I think it would be, uh, if they did bring her in and they killed her in this movie after Thor around, they're probably like, Hey, let's edit that out <laughs> because we can't kill Valkyrie mm-hmm. in, you know, five months after she gets this round, this, this huge ovation, yeah. uh, in Thor Ragnarok, <laughs> that'd be a very bad move. Yeah, um, for sure. So we've spent a lot of time talking about this, so we're going to cut it here on spoiler talk for Avengers Infinity War. Unless you have one last thing. I have one last thing. Okay. Iron spider suit with the extensions, with the arachnid legs. Uh, Epic. Great addition. Was was overjoyed when they caught him in the uh, airlock scene. Yeah. I mean, the the transformation scene when he gets it for the first time Mm, and lands, he's like, Whoa, what is this? Is is great. I mean, yeah. Iron Spider for the win. Uh do you think he'll he'll keep that suit around? No, he's not gonna be able to keep it around. That's gonna be the disappointing thing. And I feel like that's a really good homecoming two scene. Right. It's like, no, you can't of course you can't keep this thing. Yeah, because then you're just like way you're way too powerful. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you can't go battle, you know, you have to battle way harder villains than your regular Spider Man foes. Right. Like, you, can't no. go, you can't go battling Donald Glover's Prowler when you've got the Iron <laughs> Spider suit on. Exactly. It'd be no match. Um, so, yeah, that is our Infinity War spoiler talk. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. Hope you guys enjoyed the movie. Whether or not you did, let us know your thoughts. Send it to us on Twitter, Friends of Film. Uh, comment on our review on the website, friendsoffilm.wordpress.com. Um, that's all we have. Here's a beat of Alan Silvestri's score from the movie. Wonderful score. Uh, We'll be right back in a bit, though, with the news.
and we're back with the news. And as always, we're going to start with Ticket or Skip It. This week, we only have one trailer to discuss, that being the second trailer, first official trailer. First official trailer. Uh, for Venom. I, the first trailer left a good impression on you. Yes. And a, uh, okay. I mean, impression on me. It was. It kind of depended on your outlook. I mean, like you're like, is this a trailer for Venom or is this a trailer for Tom Hardy? Tom mumbling? Hardy. Tom Hardy walks through the streets of <laughs> yes. California. Is this, yeah, is this his therapy or what? We don't know. But uh, this one is miles and miles better, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, mainly because it features a look at a symbiote mm-hmm. and or a symbiote, your preference, <laughs> and the actual symbiote suit, yeah. Venom. You know, all of their glory, (laughs) plural. Okay, yes. And oh my goodness, this is exactly, exactly how you do Venom, I think. We will see how the Mm -hmm. story plays out, um, especially with its incorporation or a rumored incorporation of Carnage. But oh my goodness, that look at the end is as promising as anything I have ever seen. Um, It looks dark. It looks very scary. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at it right now, rows and rows of teeth. It looks like an actual Venom, not just a dark Spider-Man out suit like we saw with uh, Spider-Man 3. I'm a thousand percent here for it. And I think, I mean, this is a guesstimation based off of the voices that I'm trying to guess. But I think we have Lance Reddick voicing Venom or the symbiote in in Tom Hardy's head. I don't know. It just sounds like him. Okay. But if it turns out to be the case, we have the scoop. I Friends was, and Film had it first. Well, I mean, I no, guessed it. It, it was a scoop. It was is it a scoop? scoop? But it's a, oh yeah, uh, it, it, <laughs> yes. it's a scoop. Wink. <laughs> don't tell anybody that. Wink. Because <laughs> we don't want to be held In, accountable. Inside knowledge. Uh, no. But that's me. I was I was a, given a ticket already before yeah. we started this. Where are you at with this trailer? Yeah, this is a this is definite ticket. Awesome. This was a complete reversal uh, from the first trailer. Miles miles better than the first one. That first one is just uh, Tom Hardy walks and grumbles and gets an MRI scan movie. And this yes. one, it's like, no, this one is actually a Venom movie. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I liked that we got to see a lot of the symbiote. symbiote. Gosh. Yeah. Now, now I'm going now I'm to be it's all conflicting. Good. <laughs> I had one way to say it before. Now there's thousands of ways to say it, and it's messing me up. Symbiote. Um, symbiote. But I like the interplay between it where – there's that there's there's the duality of the yes. Venom symbiote has its own mind and then Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock is like listen we can only use this for good and he's like we can do whatever we want and it's like oh uh, <laughs> all right so I, I hope that kind of relationship is really kind of fleshed out and given a lot of time to develop because yeah. I think that is the more interesting part of Venom not just like oh he's a, he's this big black behemoth symbiote monster mm-hmm. okay cool. But, like, give me, like, his character if he's going to be this anti-hero or whatever. Right. That's what I'm going to want to see. Um, it had kind of hints to that upgrade trailer we saw a couple weeks ago. Oh, where yeah. Where, like, he's kind of, like, it's just kind of going and, like, the, the symbiote's protecting Eddie Brock and he's not having mm-hmm. to do anything. You're like, oh, okay. So, like, he's obviously going to protect the host because it, without the host, the symbiote can no longer live. Right. Um, so that makes sense. The only shot I didn't necessarily love was the motorcycle stunt. Yeah, it still looks it, gross. It, it's goofy, um, and also the VFX on didn't look the best. But for sure, movie does come out uh, out to October, so I'm not gonna be like, oh, this movie is gonna suck because <laughs> of that one VFX shot. Um, so it, it look it looks 
surprisingly really good. It looks like they have that horror tone they were going for. Yeah. I have some concerns over it still. Like if this, you know, if that Tom Hardy, uh, you know, think it, it, or not Tom Hardy, Tom Holland cameo is still happening. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? Right. <laughs> uh, no spoilers from friend anymore, but that's, it's difficult. Um, and, you know, where would it take place in the timeline? Uh, it, I don't know how it would work necessarily. Also, you know, I think a lot of people are excited for this. You even mentioned it beforehand. Um, we talk, when I did the intro for about the first Venom trailer. Yes. You're like, oh, yeah, it's an R-rated Venom. Tom Hardy said at CinemaCon when they debuted the trailer, he's like, oh, yeah, I really wanted to make a movie that my kids could see. What? <laughs> how old are those dudes' kids? I, they're not 17, I don't think. <laughs> so, PG-13? <laughs> Maybe a movie his kids would want to see? I don't know. I, I feel like huh. the indication was it's PG-13. I don't know if that changes things drastically. It doesn't necessarily for me, but it definitely gives you a different feeling for uh, what it's going to be. I mean, I'm looking at this guy, and that is this is a rated R. It's a horror monster look. Yeah, but it is. But there's not any like gruesome horror level violence or anything in the trailer. Not yet. Exactly. But if, I mean, we don't even know how much Venom's in the movie. This could be like one of his only parts. There were rumors of that a couple weeks ago. Probably not true. I think that'd be really idiotic on Sony's part. But then again, maybe Carnage is even in that big of a part of the movie, if at all. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So there's there's questions to it. But I, this one definitely sold me on the movie way more than the first one did. For sure. It was a little bit on the nose when they're like, embrace your ant- your inner anti-hero. Yeah. And I was like, okay, we get it. He's not all evil yeah. folks, but... And he's not all good. But you, I mean, they got to sell it. I mean, but they did a good job in the trailer uh-huh. doing that. So it's just like, that reinforcement, not necessary. No, not necessary at all. Um, something that is necessary is a director for Star Trek Four. Yes, it is. I think that was a much better segue than the segue I tried to pull last week, which I think you're right on calling me that that was not a segue. <laughs> Because it wasn't. It was close. It, it was, was close. Just... I, I jumped the gun. Yes, that's what it <laughs> and was. That was the problem. Uh, this one, though, Variety revealed that S.J. Clarkson will make her feature film debut Ooh. to direct Star Trek Four for Paramount. She is best known for directing episodes of Jessica Jones, The Defenders, Vinyl, Bates Motel, Orange is the New Black, Dexter, House, Heroes, and many other TV shows. Uh, this movie will star Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Chris Hemsworth coming back Ooh. as Kirk's father. Yes. Uh, so this is being made, looks like before that supposed Quentin Tarantino movie mm-hmm. uh, that he's developing. Is S.J. Clarkson a good choice? Yes, I think so. Okay. I mean, I'm not, I, I can't recall the episodes that I've yeah. seen her direct. And it's, I, I've always been wondering this. I mean, J.J. Abrams, Paramount, everyone who's EP'd or in on this thing, picked her for a reason. Uh huh. So, I mean, she's got she's got the stuff and she's going for it. Those are great shows that you listed. Mm-hmm. All that have great ensemble casts, ex- for me with the exception of Jessica Jones. Kristen Witter is, yeah. is probably the best part of that. Yeah. Um, so, she's got that on her resume. The only thing is, like, I've always wondered how they film series and how directors direct episodes, uh-huh. and because it's not always done in chronological order, right? I mean, or most of, most of the time it oh, is. Oh, really? Okay, so then throw that out the window. But I haven't, I can't recall specific episodes that I've yeah. seen. So I'll need to revisit that to take a look at it, mm-hmm. just to get kind of get a feel for her style, yeah, or what's what, what varies from episode to episode. But uh, that is an extensive resume. 
Um, and surely one of the best, but better ones that are out there for TV directors. Yeah. But, and, but also Star Trek four is going into production. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think that's the even cooler part. Uh, so, or as cool. So, uh, that, that that's what got me off the ground. Are you familiar with? Can you like nail down any specific episodes? No. Okay. I mean, I, both of her Jessica Jones episodes came in season one, and season which was a good sign for me because season one was way better than season two was. Daredevil season one, Jessica Jones season one. I put those like on par with each other. So yeah, that's for sure. Um, so it's I think it's definitely a good sign. I like I like the choice. I like if you're gonna choose a female director to make that leap. I think S.J. Clarkson has the talent to do so. It, it's always a difficulty for me with TV directors because it's like, wait, which episode did they direct again? Wait, what happened to that episode without like rewatching it? Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Um, and also in TV shows, a lot of times the vision, the tone, the approach comes down to the showrunners more so than the directors because the showrunners are in charge of making sure all of this fits into one season. Um, I mean, there are definitely... Um, differences like who directed the fly episode of breaking bad was that ryan johnson that was ryan johnson so like yeah you can kind of tell like they have like certain directors could come in and put their spin on a series for a single episode and really make an impact but most of the time it's more just like oh like not not saying it doesn't matter who directs episodes of tv because it definitely does but there's not necessarily that like oh so this is this person's episode like maybe if it's more of a um, you know, a action-oriented director, they'll get more of the action-oriented episodes. But then, you know, I think S.J. Clarkson is a really talented female uh, director on the small screen. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's going to be a problem with her making that jump. Um, and I think it also signals to me that maybe they'll go a little smaller for Star Trek for, uh, because Star Trek Beyond had a big budget. It it did okay at the box office, but not it didn't live up to what Star Trek one and what Star Trek Into Darkness did at the box office. So if they're making this fourth movie, they're not going to mm. put the same money into it expecting for whatever reason this one because, oh, now we have Chris Hemsworth to all of a sudden, you know, flip the franchise upside down and get it back to glory. Yeah. So maybe we're going in this new direction, uh, which I think could be fun. She directed the first two episodes of Jessica Jones. Oh, okay. And those are probably some of the best episodes of season one. Yeah, kick me. They hook you in. Yeah, right that, that first like five ten minutes of Jessica Jones, and you're like, oh, okay, I like it. I like it. Okay, it's very cool. So maybe they could. Maybe she can bring that investigation element to Star Trek. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, they're like on like a secret like mission almost. Yeah, she's also done Dexter episode two, which is actually yeah. the most surprising on here. And Dexter is one of the more vis- one of the more visceral TV shows out there. Dexter, so, yeah, that, I mean that's the other interesting thing to point out. A lot of these shows are more adult oriented, or at least like TVMA. Yeah. So like, it, it, are they going to maybe she's push that running a with more? the they, rated R Star? Yeah, Trek. are they going <laughs> to? Who is, knows? I mean, it doesn't appear to be the pitch because I no. mean the, they said at CinemaCon, the Paramount did, or, yeah, Paramount's Star mm-hmm. Trek, yep. that they're developing Star Trek 4 and Tarantino's movie, you know, at the same time, and then the news came out afterwards. Like, oh, yep. So now they have a director for it. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm as surprised as anybody that Star Trek 4 is happening, so the fact that S.J. Clarkson's going to do it, I, I, thumbs up. I, I dug beyond, and I'm so happy for this one. Yeah. Um, another movie we were both very excited for is John Wick 3. Yes, we are. And that hashtag show reported this week that Halle Berry is being eyed for the female lead role in the movie. Yes. I was, I was so excited that she joined 
Kingsman 2. That's so disappointed by the end result. So disappointed by the end result. She was good in it. But she don't get me wrong. Do. But she had nothing to do. She was the, I'm going to stay at the home base and type on the computer character. Yeah. And I, in my head, she was the BA. Like, I'm going to go toe-to-toe with um, the kid, Eggsy, and Mark Strong, yeah. and everyone else. And uh, it turned out not to be the case. So, But when you're in a John Wick movie... Everything is implied that you're going to kick some major yeah. butt. And this is awesome. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm very excited to see Halle Berry kind of get this rejuvenation almost. Please. Like, she hasn't, I feel like she hasn't had this kind of big role or at least some sort of big franchise IP name since, you know, X-Men. Yeah. And her last appearance was in Days of Future Past, which was what twenty fourteen. Mm, yep. So it's it's been a few years. It's For been sure. a while. Um, and I mean, those days are nothing behind her as an ex as uh, Storm. So and the last movie I think she did, at least I, I remember seeing like previous was that kidnapped movie. Oh yeah, or whatever. And I was like, that just doesn't look any good. Um, so this I think is a nice career move for her if it happens. There's is not a signed deal. Um, so it could, it could fall apart. She's going to happen, but the movie's filming now. So if yeah. she's the front runner, uh, <laughs> or whatever the case is, I feel like it's got to happen for sure. Uh, the other interesting thing I, I want to mention about this, do you think there's any chance she is the female lead of that ballerina spinoff movie that we heard rumors of? Ooh. Like late last year. Which would explain why the casting is so late. Yeah, because, well, that and like the description from the Hashtag show for her character was like between 20 and 40 years old. And I'm like, that's a very broad range to go for. But, I mean, a Halle Berry spinoff movie in the John Wick universe? That would be Sign me up. Epic. That'd be, that'd be really cool. Uh, I mean, I don't know if that's happening or not, but that was the first thing I thought of. It's like, you're developing a spinoff movie. You're getting Halle Berry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, maybe she's just a big fan of the franchise and a friend of Keanu. She wants to do this movie. But also, if you're going to bring her in and you're going to make a female spinoff movie, why not do? Why not have Halle Berry be the lead? It'd be awesome. It would be so so cool. So that's an early prediction of mine. We'll see if it comes true. It probably won't. But yeah. we'll find out what next year when John Wick Three comes 2019. out. Twenty nineteen. So yes. I'm excited about that. Something I know you're excited about. Very. Is a sequel is officially in the works for A Quiet Place. Paramount CEO confirmed such developments at CinemaCon this week that they are developing a sequel to A Quiet Place. No further details were made available, but you'd have to think that writers Brian Wood and Scott Beck will be return to write the script. Krasinski's involvement mm-hmm. is much more, I think, up in the air at this point. Well, he's producing with them, but yeah, that's... That, but I mean that. But then he's also pro- he's things. also producing that Life on Mars movie, right? Uh, with p- the potential to direct. I mean, you don't know what he's going to do. He's the ho- he's the hottest name currently in terms of a let's get him attached to something soon. Mm-hmm. So he has, I'm sure, a billion options at his disposal. Yeah, it'll just kind of come down to what he wants to do. Will he want to take the Jordan Peele route and do another smaller movie and hone his director skills even more, or? You know, I'm sure studios are offering him movies like, you know, how Jordan Peele is getting offered Flash or Akira and getting these big budget offers. Will he want to capitalize on his success now? Get one of those major movies remains to be seen. But, I mean, as far as A Quiet Place 2 goes, are you excited? And what direction should this take? A direct sequel 
or like an anthology? I don't know. Because like part of me is like, oh, this is immediately an anthology. Like that was exactly what I thought as soon as I heard it. Uh huh. Because I'm like, would Emily Blunt want to come back without right. if John was even rem- not exactly directly attached to this movie? And my gut was like, eh, probably not. Because uh-huh. she's she's about to blow up. I mean, if she she's already technically blown up. Yeah. But Mary Poppins is right around the corner. Um, Edge of Tomorrow, Two Edges of Tomorrow, Tomorrow, Live two. Die Repeat Repeat. Yeah. I believe is the title that. Doug Lyman throw yeah, out there. Yeah, exactly. Terrible that's, title. That's out there. That's being thrown around. And then everybody is trying to get her and everything. Yeah. So. I mean, she's going to be in Jungle Cruise. Exactly. By next year. So. Pack schedule for her. And they're going to want to move quickly on A Quiet Place too, because you got to capitalize on yep. this. So. I think it's probably what's going to happen. What's going to happen is they go anthology. But so I, I don't think that makes it a sequel or it doesn't no. make it a sequel. It makes it a film in the quiet place universe yeah so what would you title it then or does that depend on what the story is too quiet of a place or a quieter place another quiet place <laughs> Ooh, that would be uh I, I that's not an original thought of mine i stole yeah. it from okay. the internet <laughs> for sure but you know i i will love the concept of the story um i want to see those monsters back and you can do the whole we can flesh out the background uh-huh. the beginning days or you can go to a different place and explore different things. But the yeah. screenwriters um, said that they had plenty of material left over from their original draft. So, yeah, go for it. I want to see more of it. Yeah, I think I, it's a really I, cool concept. I mean, if it's a sequel, okay, I'll get behind it. If Blunt's back, I'm yeah. sure it'll be a really cool action movie for her. But I feel like the better stuff is by f- making this a universe Mm-hmm. In of itself, like a purge universe or like the Cloverfield universe, which we'll get to in a second. Um, I think that's where the real potential for this concept lies. I mean, it, you have to kind of figure out that way to make it different, which is right. definitely the struggle. Because uh, this, the draw of this movie is like, you can't make a noise. Mm-hmm. It's quiet. And how long does that, how, how can you do that and make it different? Yeah, when do you uh, say enough is enough? So that's why I think you kind of have you have to like explore different genres within this or different time periods. Uh, like I know what we discussed when we reviewed the movie, like you know what do we want to see another movie of the, in this universe? And I was like, what if we did like a a military op movie where like there are these like Marines or whatever and they're hunting down these monsters trying to stay alive and it's like thirteen hours but with these mm-hmm. these these aliens. Yeah. That that really intrigues me because that's a different genre for this thing to tackle. For sure. Uh, plus, if you're firing with weapons, that's going to attract a lot of attention. Yeah. So silencers, do you switch up to knives? Um, there's a lot of different things in there. Or you can go all the way back to day one, show the attack, uh, show the chaos of it. You could go into the future, mm-hmm. go to day 672 right. and be like, oh, all right, well, now the humans have kind of come back. But then there's like a last stand that has to be made against these an- these monsters. There's a lot of different stories you could tell or you could just, you know, tell the story of one of the other four lighthouse lights that pop up on the silos. Oh, yeah, yeah. And just like have it focus on this little neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, I think so. There are ways you can do this for sure. Um, so I'm not, and the movie's made a buttload of money and got great reviews. So why wouldn't you? I mean, it's it's the right business decision for Paramount to make mm-hmm. another one. Yeah. So yeah, they they got to happen. They could do the second one with a more succinct budget, fifteen million. 
rank rank that all in. Yep, they're gold. Yeah, I mean, if you yeah, you can make it for the same. You can even up it to thirty million dollars budget, still and still probably make that the profit. first weekend uh, without a doubt. Because now a quiet place is some is a name, mm-hmm. and if it's a quiet tour place or a quiet place or too quiet of a place, too quiet too placey uh whatever it is and this is a paramount picture Uh you know who's associated with paramount bad robot you know who's associated with bad robot dan trachtenberg i'm on there for it you don't have to sell me on that i sell oh man there's so many great things paramount just had a strong and mary elizabeth winstead back together in one of these movies sign me up with steve carell let's just keep the office yeah didn't you want Kristen Wiig and Steve Carell. Steve Carell and Kristen Wiig is what I told you earlier in the week when this news came out. And why? Why them together? I don't because I th- I'm thinking of well they're both extremely funny on their own, but then also in Anchorman Two I realized they're together. That's true. And they're hilarious there. They're also hilarious in Despicable Me. Not quite uh, a comedy though. This franchise. No. I mean you but could. Steve Carell's a heavy, a and Kristen Wiig is taking a turn too. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's drop them in a drama. Right. Let them have fun with. Fighting off monsters. We'll I think, see. I think it'll be great. I mean, if you if you tell me a quiet play, a quieter place, another quiet place, whatever it is, is coming with Dan Trachtenberg directing and Steve Carell and Krista Wake, yeah, I'm that, there. That would be dynamite. I'm there. Um, and I mentioned Cloverfield Universe, and J.J. Abrams said at CinemaCon that Overlord, which comes out this fall, is actually not a Cloverfield movie as we believed it was going to be and as it was previously reported to be mm-hmm. um instead bad robot is making a true sequel to matt reeves's original cloverfield movie but does that interest us is that the right move and is the cloverfield universe dead i don't know i mean no it's not dead Be, i mean is it i don't know because cloverfield paradox brings us back to clover Cloverfield, right? I don't know. I don't know where it brings us. Because that, that monster is way bigger than the one that's in Cloverfield. Absolutely. So who knows what that means and where that takes us. But it seems like the timelines are straightened out. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if it's dead. But it certainly seems like they realized, oh, the strength of this movie or the strength of this franchise is going to be on that monster. Right. And, I mean, I don't know. The... Calling it a true sequel is like, how do you make a true sequel to a movie that like, <coughs> it's been a while since I saw it, but I believe most of that cast is dead at the end of the movie, right? Everyone's dead. Yeah. So like, how is it a, a true sequel? we get back to our Quiet Place conversation. Is it a sequel? Is it a anthology? What is it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, me either. Is, do you go found footage route again or do you skip over yeah. that? Because I mean, it was really found footage was gimmicky still at that point but that it, but it really worked for Cloverfield based on right. the story it told mm-hmm. and you know the two so, events and everything well yeah it was like the idea of a small story wrapped in a bigger event that's what Cloverfields have been except for Paradox yeah so I don't know but I, I really want to see that focus pulled back on that monster Clover so I, we'll see but JJ sounded like he was working on it a bad robot and if He's not directing anything other than Star Wars, so yeah, but that's going to be the next two years of his life. Yeah, but he did dailies for 
maybe his thing is he works on Cloverfield movies while he works on Star Wars movies because <laughs> he was getting dailies from it while doing Star Wars or from 10 Cloverfield Lane while he's doing Star Wars. So that so since he wasn't getting dailies from a Star Wars movie when he was doing when he was overseeing Paradox, that's why it was terrible. Exactly. He needed the greatness to be in the because he was seeing Star Wars which like no, we have to live up to this. Exactly. We got to get close to this bar. And yes. instead he was just like off on his own in his office being like what is this? Clover, ten, what, Cloverfield Paradox? Uh, yeah, whatever. looks fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you put in a tease at the end. This is connected somehow. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I mean, cool. I mean, I mean, the Overlord I'm more interested in now rated, that it's not a Cloverfield movie. Rated R, too. Yeah. Which is wild. It's got my boy Ian DeCastaker from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in it. There you probably go. Probably not a small role. Or probably is a small role, but still. Sounds like it's something straight out of Call of Duty Zombies, a little bit like a horror house. What if it's actually the launch of the Call of Duty Cinematic Universe we heard about like earlier this year, last year, whatever? Oh, yeah. Well, wouldn't we have the director um, uh, from Sicario 2, Soledadio, on board with that? I forgot about that. Probably not, especially because I don't think we would have known about Paramount making moves for that. But, you know. It would be if, really if cool. They can re- if they can retcon it and re- retrofit it to be a Cloverfield movie and then retrofit for it not to be, why can't they retrofit it to make it a Call <laughs> yeah. of Duty movie? Why not? I, or I you it. just let it be the movie they originally wanted it to be to begin with. It's It it, does, it just sounds epic. It does. It does very much so. Apparitions, severed heads, all that fun yeah. stuff. So wrapping up here, uh, two little bits on the MCU. Kevin Feige told ScreenRant this week that Moon Knight is a character they're considering bringing in to the MCU in the future. And then he also told the rap that they are considering making an Eternals movie mm-hmm. as well. So two potential properties. He also mentioned that Nova has immediate potential to be brought into the MCU very quickly uh, between like Moon Knight, Eternals, Nova, whoever else is out there. Which one of these characters would you prefer if you're, you know, Kevin Feige's right hand guy, do you give the little note and be like, let's get let's get this guy let's get this property moving first? I would say Moon Knight. Okay, because I did take a look at him. I don't know the Eternals sound complicated. Yeah, they're like the new gods for DC. Yeah. From Jack Kirby, then Jack Kirby came back to Marvel and then he made the Eternals <laughs> because they're basically the exact same thing. Seriously. <laughs> basically. Like Darth Vader esque. I mean, I don't know if it's, I mean, that, if it's that heavy handed, but I mean, Super it's the same concept. Yeah. 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 M- Moon Knight. I mean, like, listen, I love the grounded Marvel take. Even their cosmic stuff is grounded, mm-hmm. even, it's, even if it is zany. And Moon Knight, uh, Mark Spector, think about that guy's character. Uh, just seems so cool. And not to mention, Moon Knight, the character himself, looks epic. Yeah. I mean,. Uh, I feel he feels like him and Doctor Strange would be like awesome. Yeah, uh, to get together and explore and watch their powers. Yeah, they'd be so good. Is there any arcs where they're like best friends? I mean, they've definitely met in the comics. I mean, him and Black Panther have had run-ins. Um, I mean, Moon Knight. Moon Knight's definitely the one for me. That's like yes. Like there, there have been a lot of people for many years ever since Daredevil started on Netflix. Be like, get get Moon Knight on Netflix because. You he's a dark character. You kind of have to give him that R-rated, you know, violence, really character-focused take uh, to really make Moon Knight work. So how they could transfer that into the MCU is maybe a little questionable. But at the same time, 
it would definitely be a very different movie for Marvel to make. And they're all about keeping things fresh, keeping things new. Mm-hmm. And after Avengers 4 comes around, you're going to have to do something that I think pulls the stakes back to a more personal level. Yeah. And so bringing in a more of a street level uh, character focused piece like Moon Knight, I think is a better way to go than Eternals, which is just like, all right, we did Thor Ragnarok, really Kirby did it up, and then we did Avengers 4, really went crazy cosmic, and now we're going even crazier. Now here's Eternals, and you're like, why? And oh, and by the way, the X-Men are here and the Fantastic Four. It's like, this is so much, um, and I love all of that. But Moon Knight, I like the idea that they'll go smaller mm-hmm. to start and then build back up to something mega eventually. So Moon Knight for me uh, I think has a lot of potential to do – something really fun i'd love a split reunion get m night Shyamalan to direct james mcfoot play the character mark specter i mean sign me up right there i mean only get m night my pitch was if this was a netflix series get m night to do the pilots yes have somebody else oversee it and be the showrunner but get m night to direct the pilot episode because it'd be he could do some really fun stuff with the multiple personalities that mark specter has and all this stuff so Mm. i mean if anything else Get James McAvoy because he's incredible. Oh, absolutely. And he's going to be out of the X-Men world in a year. So right. <laughs> might as well snag him if you're Marvel Studios. And then depending on how Glass glows, he'll be even bigger than ever. Yeah. So CinemaCon was really good this year. It it's was. usually not. But. Yeah. Go uh, send us money so we can go to CinemaCon next yeah, year. Yeah, we're going to send Cooper there. We're going to set up report. a Patreon. And that's that's the hot new thing now. And, uh, you know, we'll go to CinemaCon next year and represent... Probably not, but you know, if we, get, we if we had enough support, we would do it. It'd be awesome. Um, but that's all we have for this packed episode of Friends of Film. Uh, next week, I have no idea what we're going to be doing. It is just as it's a barren wasteland. Yes, just like the MCU is after <laughs> Infinity War. <laughs> Thanos not only wrecked the MCU, but he wrecked the release date schedule. We don't really have any major releases coming out till Deadpool two. Nope. So what we're going to do for the next three weeks is very much up in the air. Maybe we'll do more retro reviews. Maybe we'll do something else entirely. We have no idea. Um, If you have any suggestions, movies you want to hear us give reviews on, uh, franchises, whatever it may be, let us know. Those would be fun to talk about. Um, Send us all your thoughts and everything. We'll also be back with a big question this week. This week, we're going to tackle Star Wars and the future of their standalones, or maybe lack thereof. Um, and if you enjoy this episode, though, please subscribe, share, retweet more. Head to iTunes, as Josh said at the beginning of the show. Give us a five-star view, telling us why you enjoy listening to the show, why you keep listening, why you already subscribed, because I'm sure you already did if you're listening to this. If you haven't, again, do it. Get on it. What are you do waiting it. for? You'll get our episodes right away. Don't have to wait. Sometimes you'll get them a couple hours before mm-hmm. the leak goes out on Twitter or whatever. Yeah. It's the best true. way. So do that. And then, you know, be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything we covered by tuning us at Friends of Film. You can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper and Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. And thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast. Josh. Thanks for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to turn next week for our future episodes.